Last Sunday, we had a, a wonderful time celebrating Easter and resur- the resurrection of Christ. And we come into the book of Acts, and we're kind of right there, right after the resurrection, right after all that took place, following Christ, rising again from the dead. And we see in, in, in the beginning, if you remember, in Acts chapter 1, that Jesus is there with them, and we're told that he's been seen by them for, for 40 days, speaking to them the things of the kingdom of God. 40 days of being with the disciples, 40 days of being with those who had come to faith in Christ. And, and they're all gathered together in Acts chapter 1, and, and he commands them to, to not depart, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he says, You've heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Just wait here. Not many days from now, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the disciples are there, and they're saying, Lord, so, so is, is it at that time then that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Is it that time that you're going to change our political situation? Are you going to change our living circumstances? Are you going to change just the way in which life is for us? Is that going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes upon us? And Jesus responds to them by saying, It is not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has put in His own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses Whereas you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you're going to have power like you've never had before. You're, you're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the end of the earth. I'm going to work mightily through you. And that was Acts chapter 1. If you turn with me just for a moment to Acts chapter, chapter 4. I want to see the, a little bit of the fulfillment of that before we come to our text this morning in Acts 8. You, you, you look in Acts chapter 4 in, in, verse, in verse 29. And, and, and they're, they're praying there, and, and they're praying saying, Now, Lord... Look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness, with boldness. They're praying... Lord, give us boldness. Make it so that we have boldness in the way in which we present the gospel. Now, you know that just prior to that, they've been forbidden to speak the name of Jesus, to be able to to proclaim the gospel. It's been forbidden for them to do this. And and now they're just praying, God, give us boldness. We, We live in a little bit of a different time today, don't we? At least here in Orange County. Nobody has physically threatened us as far as do not proclaim the gospel. 
or don't tell other people about Jesus. We're just, we're not in that place. Um, it is the case throughout a huge portion of the world today where you, you are forbidden to proclaim the name of Jesus at all. And my fear is, is just, I, I want to make this, this real for us this morning, is that th- th- there's a chance that we, we fall into that, that category where you look at the church of Laodiceans in, in, in Revelation chapter 3, and a description is given of this church saying, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I, I could wish, Jesus says, that you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. But because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and the white garments that you may be clothed. And, the, and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And, and, and he goes from there just to say, be zealous and repent. We, we live in a time in which it's just different, where it's so easy to be complacent. It's so easy for us just to be comfortable. The church here wasn't comfortable at all. They know that they've been forbidden. Don't proclaim Christ. And as a result, they're just praying, God, give us boldness. Give us boldness. Make it so that we're not afraid anymore. And, and, and we're told that, that as a result, they, they prayed, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. They needed that boldness. God answers the prayer for those, that boldness. And and I pray that as we go through this and we, we look at what's taking place, that we'd be examining our own lives as, as a church and individually and just saying, Lord, where do I fit into all this? Where would I be if I were living at this time? And where am I now? When I have the freedom to proclaim the gospel, where am I? You go from there and into Acts chapter 7, and prior to Easter, we looked at the first martyr in the church in chapter 7. In, in chapter 7, verse 54, now remember that, that, that Stephen has been proclaiming the gospel to those that he's been brought before as far as the high court. He's been ministering. There, we, we've just, we, we come to the end of, of this sermon in which he's boldly proclaiming the gospel to those that could put him to death. Boldness. God's been answering his prayer and been answering the prayers of the church. There's boldness that is there. And and we're told in verse 54 that when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he, he said, look, I see heaven's the heavens open, the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And it tells us that the people there, they, they cried out with a loud voice, they stopped their ears, and they ran at him with one accord. He's proclaiming the gospel, boldly proclaiming the gospel, and, and God just gives him all of the boldness that he needs. 
The people hate the message. They start screaming out with a loud voice. They plug their ears. And they all run at him with one accord. Now, we looked at this. It's just, it's like taking like the Supreme Court. Those that are the wealthiest, those that are supposed to be the most dignified, those that are supposed to have everything together. They don't react emotionally like this. And what do these people do? They, they start screaming, plugging the ears. They run at him with one accord. They cast him out of the city and they stone him. They drag him out of the city and then they just start throwing rocks at him until he's put to death. This is the scene. This is what's taking place. This is what we're looking at as we preface our way into Acts chapter 8. A Christian, not an apostle, just a Christian that has been praying for boldness, that went to these people and said, this is what God's word says. This is who Christ is. This is where your hearts are at, and this is why you need Christ. And they just, they cut to the heart they're gnashing at him with their teeth they run at him they pull him out and drag him out of the city and throw rocks at him till he till he dies we're told that the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named saul now the holy spirit inspired this to be written just like this there's those that are the witnesses and they lay down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. So they take their robes off. They're throwing stones at, at Stephen. And they lay their, their robes down at a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he knelt down and cried with a loud voice saying, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. This is awesome awesome picture of this saint this christian a common man wanting to proclaim the gospel cries out with a loud voice lord do not charge them with this sin and when he had said that he died well the holy spirit now brings us to acts chapter 8 and says and saul was consenting to his death he was agreeing with it Now, who is Saul? Saul becomes the apostle Paul later on as he's converted. And so Saul's there, and they had laid the robes there. He had heard everything that had been said. He had seen Stephen being killed, rocks thrown at him after he had been dragged out of the city. He sees all this taking place. He hears him say, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He had heard him say, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And we're told that Saul was consenting to all of it and at that time a great persecution arose against the church which was at jerusalem and they were all scattered throughout the region of judea and samaria except the apostles and devout men carried stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him as for saul he made havoc of the church entering every house and dragging off men and women and committing them to prison. This is the picture. Stephen, brutally murdered, put to death, and Saul is there consenting of this, 
making havoc of the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. So you, you kind of just you picture this taking place in today's day. I mean, can, can you imagine like they've taken one of us, they've thrown rocks at us until we were killed, and then you start putting names on these people. Joe, Jennifer, taken, their kids taken, dragged, thrown into prison. You could go through Don, Lindy, taken from their home, dragged into prison. You go through each and every family here and you could just picture like your name inserted in there and, and your wife. It doesn't matter whether it's, it's men or women or children. They're, they're dragging these people away from their homes and they're throwing them into prison. Paul, who, as I said before, was Saul, he talks about these things. He talks about what he did. In Galatians chapter 1, he says that you've heard of my former conduct in Judaism. You've heard of it. You, you know how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure. Beyond measure. You can't even measure what I did to the church. I tried my hardest to destroy it, he says. I did everything I possibly could to destroy the church. And so if you're looking at how do I destroy this, it's just like, let's get every one of them. And they're just going, they're taking them, they're dragging them, they're killing them. They're doing everything they can. There's this great persecution that's taking place within the church. He says, I I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. I, I, I was doing the thing that I thought I was supposed to do. To be the most zealous Jew at that time, I'm pulling them from homes. I'm doing everything I can to just once and for all put an end to this Christianity. In Philippians 3, he says about himself and, and who he was, he says, I, I was circumcised on the eighth day the stock of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Did everything I could. I, I mean, as far as zeal was concerned, I persecuted the church. Everything he possibly could to destroy the church the interesting thing is is that as this man stephen is put to death the sovereign god of this universe has this man saw there watching all of it the robes are laid at his feet he's consenting of it he's saying i agree with this he's entering the houses pulling people off into prison and yet god is going to save that guy God's going to knock him to the ground and say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He's going to do this. He's going to do this great work of taking this heart that is just a heart of stone, and he's going to give him a heart of flesh. He's going to take a man that's so full of hatred for God's people and for God himself, and he's going to change that wicked heart and radically transform it to where he's going to be one of the boldest people when it comes to proclaiming the gospel. Think of this. Here Saul is consenting to these things. All these things are happening, but you know that the same thing is going to happen to him. The persecution that came upon Stephen, the same thing happens to, to Paul. In 2 Corinthians in chapter 11 and verse 23, Paul says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a, 
I speak as a fool. I, I am more in labors abundant, um, in stripes above measure. The, the, the number of times that I have been whipped is beyond measure. I can't even, I can't tell you how many times. It's just beyond measure. The, the, the lashings that come have come upon my back. In prisons, more frequently. Thrown into prison, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Five times they hit me 39 times with the cat of nine tails. Five times that happened to me. Three times I was beaten with rods. They just took these rods and beat me. Three times it happened. Once I was stoned. Once they took me and they dragged me out of the city. They threw rocks at me till they thought I was dead. Once that happened to me. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. I just for a whole night and a day I was treading water. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things which come upon me daily, and my deep concern for all the churches." This same guy in whom's there with the robes before him and consenting of all that's taking place, he's going to go through these same things. In Acts chapter 14 and verse 19, it says, the, Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas and Derbe. He, he had the rocks thrown at him himself. What he's watching take place with Stephen till he dies and breathes his last, the same thing happens to, to, to Paul, except they think he's dead, but he's not. Paul, in talking about himself, he said, Many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. I took them, I threw them in prison, and when it was my turn to vote as far as whether they should be put to death, my vote went against them. My vote was put them to death, kill them. He goes, that was my vote. That's what I said. That's what I did. He says, and I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. I, I did everything I could to destroy the church. I would follow them to foreign cities. If they left, if they went to, you know, whatever city it was that was outside of our country, I would go, I would get them and I would bring them back so they could be put to death. And he thought he was doing a good thing. Jesus had said in John 16, I'm telling you these things so that you don't stumble. But 
they're going to put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time's coming when whoever kills you will think that he offers God a service. And these things they'll do because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I've told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. They're going to drag you out of the synagogues and they're going to kill you. But don't be surprised. I told you that this is going to happen. I don't want you to be stumbled. This is going to happen. Now, what's a little harder for us is is in Orange County to think this also pertains to us. But the fact of the matter is it does. We don't know. He he could be telling us this right now. Just I'm telling you this so that when the time comes, you don't stumble. I'm telling you this so that when the attacks do come against you, you don't stumble. We see him write to the church of Smyrna in Revelation chapter 2. And Jesus says to this particular church, these things says the first and the last, who was dead and who came to life. This is what God says to them. I know your works, tribulation, poverty, but you're rich. And I know they, they blaspheme uh, those who say they're Jews and are not, and are out, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which, are about to, which you are about to suffer. Don't be afraid. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death. And then I'll give you the crown of life. He's talking to this church. He's saying, like, you're going to get thrown into prison and be faithful till death. Like, be faithful till they kill you. And then I'll give you the crown of life. We see God's sovereign hand over all of it, don't we? Be faithful. Be faithful until they kill you. And then I'm going to give you the crown of life. You see these Christians who have gone before us, who have died for their faith. And there's this, this little glimpse of, of, of this picture in Revelation 6 and verse 9 where there's the, the judgments that's coming upon the earth and it tells us that there's this fifth seal that's opened. And, and John says, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. They'd been killed. These, these, here's, here's, here's this, and John said, I'm looking, and these are all the Christians who have been killed for their faith. And he says, they cried out with a long, loud voice. So they're there. He's seen all of this take place. God's judgment's about to be unleashed upon the earth. And he says, how long, O Lord? They, they say together, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And then it just says, then a white robe was given to each of them. And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. Picture this scene in heaven. Like, just wait a little bit longer because the number of people who are going to be killed for their faith like you were is not yet completed. It's not done yet. I... I I look at that and just, it just screams out to me the sovereignty of God. But you, you think of this, there is a number of people and God knows that number. And when someone's put to death, 
The person's ushered into heaven. How long? How much longer until you avenge our blood? Until the number of the people that are going to die just like you is completed. There's still more to come. There's still more to come. And so we look at this and we see what's taking place in the church. It tells us that Saul made havoc of the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. And therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Everywhere. Persecution takes place, and those who are scattered go everywhere preaching the word. Everywhere. You remember when they were to go into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the uttermost parts of the world? This is happening. At the hands of the persecution, these people are going everywhere preaching the word. It doesn't say in every evangelist went everywhere preaching the word. It was all of them. It was all of them. They're scattered, and it would be like a church like this, just scattered. And they go everywhere preaching the word. We're told that multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. The gospel is going forward. People are getting saved. People are being healed. And there is great joy in that city. I think it's so important for us to be able to look at Acts chapter 8, having seen the death of Stephen, what's taking place with Saul, and look at God's hand and say he is accomplishing something. The church had boldness. And they went everywhere. They didn't go everywhere hiding. They went everywhere preaching the word. Tertullian was was one of the earliest Christian writers that we have records from that's outside of Scripture. And he lived from about 155 A.D. to somewhere around 225 A.D., but he wrote this in, in one of his writings, we conquer in dying. We go forth victorious at the very time we're subdued. We conquer in dying. When we die, we win. And, and we go forth victorious at the very time that we're subdued. When they take us, we go forth victorious. Here's this guy writing there in that first century. We see this taking place. Even to this day, you see Christians that go under incredible persecution like you see here in Acts chapter 8. What does it say? And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church which was in Jerusalem. Dragged off to prison. Put to death. They were scattered and went everywhere preaching the word. Think of China today. 1949, when my dad was born. Where are you? He's old. Just kidding. 1949, 
my dad's getting mad. He's, not, he's outside, I think, listening, upset, <laughs> angry. He was born in 1949, right, Mom? Same year as my mom, 1949. She's not old at all. And in, in the year that they were born, there was less than a million Christians in China. Think about that. Less than a million Christians in China the year they were born. In the year that Natalie was born, just as far as Protestant Christians are concerned, my little girl Natalie, who's six and a half, in the year that she was born, there was 58 million, over 58 million Protestant Christians that they knew of in China. You know that, that, that by the year 225, they think that there's going to be well over 200 million Christians in China. It'll be the largest Christian nation in the world if it continues at the pace in which it has at this particular time. 58 million. I mean, that's like taking California, Arizona, Nevada, Oregon, Washington. I mean, just Idaho. You, you could take all of these states. It'd be like every single person being a Christian, 2010. And it's just growing. It's growing and it's growing. There's people getting saved all over the place in China. Pastor Don's going there on a regular basis, training pastors, teaching pastors. They're going out and they're making disciples and they're proclaiming good, the, the gospel. And, and it's just amazing to be able to see what is occurring under incredible persecution. The gospel being forbidden to, to be proclaimed. And there's house churches that are just flourishing throughout that country. Today, there's 215 million people, Christians, that are experiencing high, very high, or extreme persecution. The worst countries in the world as far as to practice Christianity would be places like North Korea, 14 years strong, the worst place in the world to be a Christian. But what took place this morning? They're saying that they're going to blow our aircraft carrier out of the water? I'm just looking at all of this and saying, God, what are you going to do in that place? You, you have Christians in South Korea, one of the most, the strongest Christian nations in the world, where they're sending balloons over into North Korea with the gospel tracks and, and Bibles, and, and they, they go over and they pop and they come down. And, 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 and I, I just, I, no one gets in there to know really what's taking place. But I'll tell you, I, I I think the church is strong in North Korea. And I think God's going to do an awesome thing there in the near future. Somalia, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Sudan, Syria, Iraq, Iran, Yemen, Eritrea. Those are the top 10 worst places to be a Christian as far as statistically speaking. India has risen to the 15th worst place in the world to be a Christian today. Forty major acts of persecution take place per month. Pastors beaten, churches burned, Christians tortured. Of the 64 million Christians in India, 39 million experience persecution daily. You think of Iran where it's one of the most difficult places in the world to be a Christian. In 1994, there were 100,000 Iranians who professed faith in Christ. 
today, there's over 3 million Christians in Iran. Over 3 million. It's one of the most difficult places in the world to be a Christian. And there's over 3 million Christians there. How many Iranians have left there and we have Persians that live in this area and they're coming to faith in Christ that are even in our church? You praise God for this work that's taking place. Just recently, the largest growth that you find in European churches are people who were Muslims that have converted to Christianity. The largest growth within churches in a large part of Europe are those that have been most persecuted that have come to faith in Christ. I pray that God would do such a work in our hearts that we would have a passion to proclaim the gospel, boldness to proclaim the gospel, that we'd pray for that. We'd pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon us and give us boldness. We don't have to be in the most difficult countries in the world to have the Holy Spirit come upon us and give us boldness. We don't even need to go to Iran or to Iraq or to Somalia or to Eritrea or any of these places. We may go. But honestly, brothers and sisters, you could go to Irvine. You can come to parts of Mission Viejo. You can go visit your neighbor and proclaim the gospel. There's areas all over our country, there's huge populations of people who come from a Muslim background, and we have the opportunity to proclaim the gospel to them. And it's not just them, it's all that God's brought us to. You look at the early church and they're persecuted in radical ways. They just saw someone be stoned to death and now God's going to do a work and he just, they're bold and they're proclaiming the gospel and they're preaching the gospel. Wherever they're going, they're preaching the word, all of them. And I pray that would be us. We have the opportunity to, to take a team to Uganda this summer. And if you're interested in going, we're, gonna, we're looking at the first few weeks of July. We're going to go and minister to an area that's 90-some percent Muslim. There's a refugee camp that's just outside of Mitigo with Sudanese, southern Sudanese, over 300,000 southern Sudanese in that area. And Lord willing, we'll go right in that area and proclaim the gospel as well. I pray that, that, that there'd be a, a, a joy of, as a church of going and sending and praying. Sir and Christy are taking a team that, that will be going into Utah to minister the gospel there this summer. Another opportunity to serve. If you're interested in that, let us know. But it goes not just there. It's everywhere we go. Praying that God gives us boldness to proclaim the gospel. Why would we have boldness to proclaim the gospel? Because we love him. We've been called by him to proclaim the gospel. We love the gospel. We love that, that we know the way in which someone can spend eternity in heaven. And it's not by good works. It's not by all that they do. It's not by any of those things. It's by faith in Christ and his work upon the cross, his death on the cross for the forgiveness of sin, and him rising again from the dead. His righteousness placed on our account and, his, and our sins removed. The gospel the best news that anybody could ever hear. And you see within this church, there in Acts, is, okay, we just saw someone be put to death. Let's just be more bold everywhere we go. Let's just scatter and we'll proclaim the gospel. We'll scatter. Persecution taking place and the church just explodes and, and it's just the furtherance of the gospel goes all over, even to the uttermost parts of the world. China, persecution explodes. 
Iran, persecution, gospel goes forward, explosion of the gospel. You find this all over the place. And I just pray, looking at our circumstances, God, give us hearts that are like that. Make it so that that's in our hearts. That we see this and we just have such a love for the lost and such a a love for Christ. It just fuels us to just proclaim the gospel, preach the gospel wherever we go. Wherever we go. In Hebrews chapter 10, we'll close with this, where it says, Recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, after you became a Christian, you endured great struggles with sufferings. Partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations. And partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. Remember when you first became a Christian, he's saying, There's reproaches, there's tribulations, there's suffering. And sometimes that suffering occurred because you became companions with those that were so treated. He says, you had compassion on me in my chains. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. You joined up with those. You became companions with those who were suffering. Joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Ministered to them, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. And that's what I want to leave you with. You have a better... You have an enduring possession for yourself that's in heaven and you will be there for all eternity. God help us to have an urgency for the gospel now. Boldness in proclaiming the gospel. Boldness in living out the gospel. Boldness in fighting the good fight, running the race in such a way that we would win. Boldness in what our testimony looks like. Boldness that we would never do anything that would make it so that we forfeit the opportunity to preach the gospel. Boldness that we would just have... The, the heart to be witnesses here in Mission Viejo and Orange County and California and the United States and even to the uttermost parts of the world, that there would be boldness there and it doesn't have to come because we're being persecuted brutally. It comes because we have an enduring possession for ourselves in heaven. It comes because we know our Savior. It comes because we love the lost. It comes because we're filled as we encourage one another and there is a passion to proclaim the good news because we want to see God do an awesome, awesome work. Amen. Let's pray for that together. Lord God, we're thankful for your word this morning, and I pray, Lord, that you would do that. You read what takes place, and we read what takes place in the church here in Acts chapter 8. And you're about ready to just cause the church to grow even more. One man's killed, and yet you're preparing another man to do missionary journeys all over and write a huge section of the New Testament. You're at work. You give people boldness in China to proclaim the gospel even though they've been imprisoned or even put to death. The same in countries like Iran and same in countries like Sudan, Afghanistan, 
North Korea, and countless others. Do that in our hearts, Lord. May we be thankful for the freedoms that we have, but may we be passionate about ministering the gospel. I pray that we would see you work so mightily to bring people to salvation as your Holy Spirit comes upon them and as you give us boldness, just as they prayed for boldness and you gave them boldness, may we pray for boldness and may you give us boldness to proclaim the good news. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.